Euzubillahimineşşeytanirracim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmain Allahümme allimna ma yanfa'una Vanfa'ana bima allamtena Ve zidna ilmen nafi'ah Allahümme erinel hakka hakkan Varzukna ittiba'ah وَأَرِنَلْ بَاطُلَ بَاطُلًا وَارْزُقْنَا اِجْتِنَابَ رَبِّ اِشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي اَمْرِي وَحْلُ الْاُقْدَةَ مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَلْبِي Esselamu Aleyküm ve Rahmetullahi ve Berekatuh Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you get your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org Inshallah, a rough translation of the text, uh, the piece from the Risale Inur that we will be studying today will also be posted at this website. You can go to to a podcast, then words, then the 21st word. And as it also indicates, Inshallah, we will continue reading the 21st uh, word in this episode. The 21st word is consists of uh, two stations. The first station was about um, prayer and the necessity of prayer and how we should not think that it is too much and we should not uh, be wearied by uh, prayer, how we should teach our nafs or um, admonish our nafs in order to stay steadfast on uh, regularly, persistently and consistently performing our prayers. And the second station is about a related concept, but not directly related. It is about obsessive thoughts. It's about the whisperings of Satan, which uh, become obsessive uh, thoughts, which we can translate as either whisperings or obsessive thoughts in in this episode I will uh, use obsessive thought but we should keep in mind that the source of those obsessive thoughts that are satanic is Satan and it is Satan's whisperings so Bismillah second station kalbin beş yarasına beş merhemi tazammun eder it entails or consists of five salves for five wounds of the heart so these wounds are the kinds of obsessive thoughts or um, the the uh, consequences of obsessive thoughts. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Astaghfirullah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Rabbi a'uzu bika min hamazati shayatin wa a'uzu bika rabbi an yahdurun. And say, Lord, or my Lord, I take refuge with you from the goadings of the evil ones, and I seek refuge with refuge with you, Lord, so that they may not come near me. This is um, chapter 23, verses 97 and 98 of the Quran. Ey marazı vesvese ile mübtela, biliyor musun vesvesen neye benzer? Musibete benzer, ehemmiyet verdikçe şişer, ehemmiyet vermezsen söner. Ona büyük nazarıyla baksan büyür, küçük görsen küçülür. Korksan ağırlaşır, hasta eder, haf etmezsen hafif olur, mahfi kalır. 
mahiyetini bilmezsen devam eder, yerleşir, mahiyetini bilsen, onu tanısan gider. O he who is afflicted with the disease of obsessive thoughts. Do you know what your obsessive thought is like? It is like calamity. When you give importance to it, it inflates. If you do not give importance, it deflates. If you see it big, it grows. If you see it small, it shrinks. If you fear it, it becomes heavier and makes you sick. If you are not afraid, it becomes light and remains hidden or concealed. If you do not know its quiddity, it continues and settles. If you know its quiddity and recognize it, it goes away. So this is very, very uh, concise and it actually captures the whole thing, uh, mashallah. Uh, but of course, we are going to open it up and um, receive the lessons from Ustad Nursi's lessons to his own nafs about how to recognize it. So let's read this uh, one more time, maybe thinking a bit more deeply about the uh, words. Or he who is afflicted with the disease of obsessive thoughts. Waswasa is the Arabic uh, uh, word for this, and in Turkish it is pronounced as vesvese. It means whispering. So there are all sorts of whisperings that uh, come to us. It can be, it can come from people. It can come from um, the jinn that are. Uh, friends and uh, servants of Satan. It can come from other jinn. There are all sorts of um, whisperings that come to us. We tend to use this with regard to negative thoughts that come to our heart. If it is a positive thought, uh, it is still coming to the heart, but we don't call it waswasa. We don't call it uh, whispering. Uh, it's, it's a maybe a khatra, a, a thought that comes or inspiration and so on and so forth. There's a different, uh, there's a whole terminology about these issues. So here we are focusing on negative thoughts that come to our heart and that don't leave, that don't go away on their own. Now, when I say on their own, it's actually misleading because if we leave them on their own, if we leave them alone, they do, they go away. But the impression that we have is that they don't go away on their own and therefore we want to do something about them. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, trying to do something about it is the cause for it not going away. Um, you know, the famous example that they give is, you know, you tell somebody, do not think of chocolate ice cream. At the moment you say this to a person, the person cannot not think of chocolate ice cream because it, it came to the mind, it, it, it won't go away, right? You, you told the person chocolate ice cream and then you are telling the person, do not think of chocolate ice cream. So some of these obsessive thoughts are like that. So Ustad Nursi very beautifully explained this here. Do you know that your obsessive thought is like, do you know what your obsessive thought is like? It is like calamity, musibah. Now, we did the um, treatise on the sick 
earlier on, those who do not know about this can go ahead and read it or perhaps go, go back and listen to the relevant uh, episodes of the treatise on the uh, sick. Uh, it was the 25th flash. And there we talked a lot about musibah, uh, calamities, sicknesses, accidents, you know, anything that bothers and troubles us in this life. And in fact, they have a, a purpose, right? They they serve for our improvement. And anyway, we you know we went over this in quite uh, detail. But one thing that we learned from there is the musibah, the calamity has a certain level of uh, pain for us. It comes with a certain level of pain. However, oftentimes what we do is we increase the pain by concentrating too much on the calamity, thinking too much about it, not knowing what to do with it, uh, thinking about th uh, all sorts of things that are or attributing all sorts of negative things uh, to the calamity. Not thinking about the function, the service that it provides, not thinking about how it improves us, not thinking about how uh, this world is a place of testing and trial. And once we understand that, we understand that this is a test. And if we have patience in the face of calamity, then we are earning rewards and the, the knowledge of earning rewards in itself in and of itself is a beautiful thought that that um lightens our burden at the time of calamity imagine a person who is working hard exerting himself uh, you know there, there is if not pain there's exertion and it's getting tired and so on and so forth but if this person is doing this for a purpose for a reward say this person is competing in a marathon the, the last, uh, you know, last two, three miles or kilometers of the marathon and the, he's or she is really exhausted but still running and running and running and has the hope that he or she will make it to the end and perhaps even finish first. So although this person is having difficulty, that difficulty itself becomes pleasurable. So calamity is like that too. Once we understand the reality and the quiddity of calamity, what it is, it starts to become less, the, the, the burden of it, the pain of it becomes less and less. Um, God gives us patience in order to deal with this calamity. And if we don't waste that calamity to thinking about what we suffered from it in the past and what we might suffer from it in the future, but focus on here and now, as we uh, went over the same notion in a different uh, respect, right? In a different use of patience uh, in the in the uh, first station of the twenty-first word, right? Then the patience that God gives to you is sufficient for the moment that you are in. And when you meet the calamity with patience, that you turn it into reward and so on and so forth. So we went over this with calamity and uh, although Satnursi wrote the 21st word before the 25th flash, uh, he is referring to that notion. That is a reality. The reality of calamity is that if you concentrate too much on it, the, it, the, the pain, the trouble, uh, the uh, vexation, the 
um, the negative impact that it has on you increases if you don't it decreases when you give importance to it here it is um, obsessive thoughts or whisperings when you give importance to it it inflates if you do not give importance it deflates so it's like a balloon here the metaphor is important or the imagery is important it's like a balloon it doesn't have anything inside it doesn't have content it's empty inside right but when you inflate it it bothers you imagine a um Im imagine a balloon put in your into your stomach and being inflated right there will be nothing in your stomach maybe th there will be this you know very small substance of the balloon but other than that the, the the balloon will be empty it will be you know filled with air but if it is inflated you will feel feel full you won't be able to eat if it is inflated too much it might even disturb you it's not full but because it's inflated it disturbs you that is what uh, what uh, these obsessive thoughts are like too they are like balloons they're empty and as long as they are inflated as long as they stay in their uh, you know um, uninflated state they're not going to bother you much because they're too small to bother you but if it is inflated then it can become um, a disturbance and the question then is what inflates it what inflates it paying attention to it giving importance to it thinking about it right that is what inflates it if you don't pay attention to it if you don't give importance to it if you ignore it it deflates or does not inflate it at the beginning if you see it big it grows it becomes big if you see it small it shrinks it becomes small now the question is what is the thought process that's going to enable you to see it big or small and we will come to that if you recognize that it is a balloon and when left alone it does not inflate and become big then you can leave it alone and you can think of it as small and that is its reality but you make it big by thinking that it is big if you fear it it becomes heavier and makes you sick if you are not afraid it becomes light and remains hidden it's too small that it's not going to uh, you're not going to sense it it's not going to bother you it's going to remain concealed uh, you know put away into some cupboard and the, the 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 door of the cupboard is closed so you won't notice it there if you do not know its quiddity this is the essence right we want to know what it actually is if you do not know its quiddity it continues keeps going and settles becomes established if you know its quiddity and recognize it so if you know what whispering is if you know what obsessive thought is if you recognize it when it comes then you're 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 fine it, it goes away because you say oh this is this is whispering this is obsessive thought i'm not going to pay attention to it it will go away but if you don't know then you know you don't know what to do with it and oftentimes you do 
the wrong thing. Öyle ise şu musibetli vesvesenin aksamı kesiresinden kesirül vuku olan yalnız beş veçini beyan edeceğim. Belki sana ve bana şifa olur. Zira şu vesvese öyle bir şeydir ki cehil onu davet eder, ilim onu tard eder. Tanımazsan gelir, tanısan gider. In that case, of the many categories of this calamitous obsessive thought, I will expound only five aspects uh, that happen frequently. Five aspects that we encounter frequently or that occur frequently. Perhaps it may be a means for healing for you and me. For this obsessive thought is such a thing that ignorance invites and knowledge expels it. Now, ignorance of its quiddity, ignorance of what it is, not being able to recognize it, right? That invites it. Knowledge, knowing what it is, expels it, chases it away. If you do not recognize it, it comes. If you recognize it, it goes away. So, first aspect, we said uh, five aspects. Inshallah, we will now read the first aspect. And Ustad Nursi uh, follows his subtitle, first aspect, uh, by saying birinci uh, yara, first wound. Right? So these are, the, each of these uh, aspects are wounds. They wound the heart and uh, we want to heal from them. Or perhaps more importantly, we don't want to invite them so that they don't wound our hearts. Şeytan evvel, evvela şüpheyi kalbe atar. Eğer kalp kabul etmezse şüpheden şetme döner. Hayale karşı şetme benzer bazı pis hatıraları ve münafi edep çirkin halleri tasvir eder. Kalbe eyvah dedirtir, yese düşürtür. Vesveseli adam zanneder ki kalbi Rabbine karşı sui edepte bulunuyor. Müthiş bir halecan ve heyecan hisseder. Bundan kurtulmak için huzurdan kaçar, gaflete dalmak ister. Bu yaranın merhemi budur. Satan casts doubt into the heart first. Satan casts doubt into the heart first. So not into the brain, not into the stomach, not into conscience, right? The place that Satan uh, communicates with our larger entity is the heart. So it casts doubt into the heart first. If it does not accept, if the heart does not accept the, the, the doubt, right? If the heart accepts the doubt, then it's, it's, it's another issue that we need to deal with, right? It, it would probably require a more serious treatment. But the heart of the believer, right? The heart of the believer is protected to a large extent. It, it is uh, equipped to deal with many of the forms of doubt that this, that Satan casts into the heart. So if it does not accept it, then th this is not the end of it. That, that's the issue. This is not the end of it. Then Satan has other um, instruments in its hand. It turns from doubt into sacrilege. From doubt into sacrilege. Now, what we mean by sacrilege, it, 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 or it, it turns from doubt into the thought of sacrilege, right? Something that is really, you know, that we feel ashamed and uh, we, we don't want to think that we would feel 
guilty of um, that violates our sense of uh, sanctity right thinking um, you know I don't want to give examples so I'm not going to go there but thinking things that you don't want to think about things or people that you hold uh, holy and uh, worthy of respect and so on and so forth if the heart does not accept this thought this this doubt it turns from doubt into sacrilege it depicts before the imagination some dirty thoughts that resemble sacrilege and ugly states that are in violation of proper etiquette so satan wants to put doubt into the heart it cannot do it because doubt involves a judgment so it does it, it then moves away the judgment part but just gives you the 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 notion right the this um negative or harmful notion puts that negative harmful notion into the heart then it moves from the heart to the to imagination and the nature of imagination is that it puts images on everything that's the way it functions right the heart does not function with forms and images and so on and so forth it functions with meanings alone naked meanings the imagination puts a form a a an image an outfit on that meaning so satan or here satan may not have a hand but the process is now uh, going on right the process has started it depicts before the imagination some dirty thoughts that resemble sacrilege and ugly states that are in violation of proper etiquette you are in prayer there comes like you don't know where it came from there comes this like weird thought of doing something that is sinful uh, it's this weird thought of i don't like drinking alcohol you're in the middle of the prayer and you think of drinking alcohol now it is a depiction it's an image it's an imagery but it's in violation of proper etiquette and resembles sacrilege it makes the heart say woe to me and fall into despair because you think like these saints of god this like this really beautiful person who is in awe of god who is god conscious has taqwa and so on and so forth such thoughts would not appear to that person it is my heart it is because how dirty how filthy how corrupted my heart is that that these thoughts these these uh, profanities are coming to my heart that's what the person thinks it makes the heart say woe to me and fall into despair a man with obsessive thoughts presumes that his heart is being disrespectful his to to his lord right in the middle of the prayer i thought of not even sometimes not even you know um forbidden disrespectful truly disrespectful or sinful things like drinking alcohol but in the middle of the prayer you start thinking about um some daily affair right so then you you say woe to me and you um, lose hope about ever ever purifying your heart 
and you fall into despair. A man with obsessive thoughts presumes that his heart is being disrespectful to his Lord. He feels a dreadful trepidation and anxiety. Loses, starts to lose control. Like trepidation, anxiety, excitement. To get rid of this, now he, he doesn't like that, that anxiety. Right? It is a very disturbing feeling. And he doesn't like that these thoughts are in his mind or in his heart, in his imagination rather. To get rid of this, he flees from divine presence and wants to plunge into heedlessness because he's ashamed of his Lord. Now, this is a believer. And the believer is ashamed of having um, such an imagination, such a thought, such an imagery before his, the, the, before his sight, before the eye of his mind. He is ashamed of his Lord. And he falls into despair that he will ever be able to purify that heart and stand before his Lord with a pure heart. So the worst thing that can come out of this is that he wants to run away from the presence of his Lord. Where are you going to run away from the presence of your Lord? Is there any place that you can run away from the presence of your Lord? No. That thought in and of itself that assumption in and of itself of the presence of a locus place where you would not be in the presence of your Lord, right, opens a way to disbelief. That's, that's, that's very dangerous because God is omnipresent. And the thought of fleeing away from God's presence leads you to the thought of violating the, the reality of God's the attribute of God's omnipresence. To get rid of this, he flees from divine presence and wants to plunge into heedlessness. He cannot take the thought, so he's, he wants to stop thinking. Heedlessness, right? Not paying attention, not thinking at all. Empty the, 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 uh, generating this vacuum in your mind and becoming desensitized. He wants to be desensitized. Because of the pain of his sensitivity, he wants to be desensitized, but we want that sensitivity. We want to preserve the sanctity of our Lord, right? So what is the solution for this? The solve for this is the following. Bak, ey biçare vesveseli adam, telaş etme. Çünkü senin hatırına gelen şetim değil, belki tahayyüldür. Tahayyülü küfür, küfür olmadığı gibi, Tahayyülü şetm dahi şetm değildir. Zira mantıkça tahayyül hüküm değildir, şetm ise hükümdür. Look, o helpless obsessive man or person. Do not be alarmed. So keep calm. That's the first thing. Right? Keep calm. Do not lose control. Don't panic. Okay? Don't panic. For what comes into your thoughts is not sacrilege. Right? So we thought it was sacrilege. We thought that doubt turned into sacrilege. This is what the person is th thinking. He is thinking that he is having thoughts that violate the sanctity of his Lord. No. Remember we said if you understand its quiddity, its harm goes away. Right? So the quiddity of this 
thought that evolves from the doubt that the Satan puts into the heart is that it is not sacrilege. Rather, it is imagination. So what's the difference? The imagination of a profane thought and the and sacrilege, right? The difference is, as imagining of disbelief is not disbelief, or as imagining disbelief is not disbelief, imagining sacrilege is not sacrilege. A profane thought or image in and of itself is not sacrilege. For according to logic, imagination is not judgment but sacrilegious. So if you go back to what's the difference between imagination and sacrilege, what's the difference between the imagination of a profane, imagination of some kind of profanity, right? And for it to become sacrilege, you would need to pass judgment and say, this profane thing is true. Right? So, let's say there is a saint of God that you hold in great respect and sanctity. Satan makes you imagine this person uh, drinking alcohol. Now, of course, this bothers you. You don't, you don't want this, right? If you were to believe, if you were to have the conviction that this person drinks alcohol and commits sin, then that would be a judgment. If it is just an image that comes before, your, before the eye of your mind and you don't pass judgment about it, then that's imagination. Okay? As imagining disbelief is not disbelief. Right? Sometimes you have to do this in order to understand some complex issues of faith. Right? For instance, it's even in the uh, in the testimony of testimony of faith, we say la ilaha. Right? We first bring to mind the notion of the non-existence of any Lord, any uh, any um, deity. But we don't stop there. Then we say, Illallah. Our judgment is in Illallah. We pass a judgment when we say Illallah. Right? When we say La ilaha, we don't pass a judgment. We just conceptualize the notion. Therefore, saying La ilaha before we say Illallah, that's not disbelief. Or you can say, so imagine that or or presume that there were two gods. If there were two gods, certainly there would be corruption in this realm. I mean, that this is also a uh, thought process from the Quran, right? If there were two gods, there would be corruption in the realm. In order to understand that there will be corruption in the realm if there were two gods, you first have to conceptualize the, the, the existence of two gods. And that is not disbelief. 
that is an instrument that you are that say a thought instrument that you are using in order to consolidate strengthen your faith so as imagining disbelief is not disbelief imagining sacrilege is not sacrilege especially if you are not doing it by like, intentionally if you are doing it intentionally that's different right there is uh, that's a different question this is when it comes to the heart from satan and moves from there to imagination without the involvement of your volition right when is satan doing satan doing this to you the imagination the 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 image that comes before the eye of your mind that is not sacrilege for according to logic imagination is not judgment there's no judgment in this but sacrilege is so for it to be sacrilege that would have to be a judgment and since there is no judgment in this it is not sacrilege hem bununla beraber o çirkin sözler senin kalbinin sözleri değil çünkü senin kalbin ondan müteessir ve müteessiftir belki kalbe yakın olan lümme şeytaniyeden geliyor şeytaniden geliyor vesvesenin zararı tevehhümü zarardır yani onu zararlı tevehüm etmekle kalben mutazarrır olmaktır. Çünkü hükümsüz bir tahayyülü hakikat tevehüm eder. Hem şeytanın işini kendi kalbine mal eder. Onun sözünü ondan zanneder. Zarar anlar, zarara düşer. Zaten şeytanın da istediği odur. In addition to this, those ugly words or images and so on and so forth are not the words of your heart. Remember, we just said it's not from us, it's from Satan. For your heart, how do we know? How do we know that they are not from our heart? They are not, pro- that is, how do we know that they are? They don't originate from our heart? They are not produced in our heart, right? For your heart is affected by it and regrets it. Your heart is, <laughs> your heart is um, uneasy about it. It does not want it. It's your, it is your heart that's complaining about this. Your heart is the victim here, not the, not the perpetrator. It is the victim, not the culprit. Rather, they are coming from satanic, uh, from the satanic fellow traveler. This is a technical term, and I can't think of a better way to translate it. We could also say uh, f- satanic faculty or something like that, but the the original word is lumma shaitania. Okay. Lumma is this component of the heart, and we are not talking about the physical, uh, you know, blood and flesh heart here. We are talking about the metaphysical reality that is associated with that, um, with, with that um, blood and flesh substance. A component of the heart that acts as a receiver. Uh, from satan it is the receiver with which or through which satan connects with the heart and communicates with the heart that's lumma shaitania and there is also lumma ilahiya the heart also has a fellow traveler that is something that always accompanies the heart right the heart has a fellow traveler that uh, enables it to communicate with god too that enables it to receive divine inspirations from heart uh, from uh, from God too 
So the heart has this satanic fellow traveler, Lumma Shaitaniya, that is close to the heart. I mean, it I mean, it is not in the heart, it accompanies the heart. That's why it's, it's close to the heart. It stays with the heart. So where is it coming from? It is coming from Satan through the satanic fellow traveler or Luma Shaitaniya. The harm of obsessive thought or the harm of that whispering is in the supposition of harm. There is no harm in it unless you suppose that there is harm. So the harm is in the supposition of harm. In other words, its harm is in feeling harm in the heart by supposing it to be harmful. So now this is an act of, this is something that you, you are doing. You are supposing that it's harmful and because you are supposing that it's harmful, you are feeling suffering harm in your heart and that is the harm that comes from this doubt that Satan put in your heart. For the person supposes an imagination without judgment to have reality. An imagination without judgment does not have reality. It's just an imagination. Once you pass judgment, then it becomes a reality. It becomes an aspect of your creed. But an imagination without judgment does not have reality. But this person supposes that it has reality. That it, ha it is true. He also attributes Satan's work to his heart. Remember, we said it is coming from Satan through the Luma Shaitaniya. But this person who doesn't understand what whispering is, what waswasa is, what obsessive thought is, attributes it to Satan. Oh, sorry, attributes it to the heart. Right? So he attributes Satan's work to, the, to his heart and then starts to think how bad his heart is and how corrupted his heart is and falls into despair again and you know, so on and so forth. He thinks that Satan's words are from the heart. He perceives it to be harmful and falls into harm. And this is what Satan wants after all. This is what Satan wants after all. Satan wants you to occupy yourself with this thought and fall into despair so that you can bear being in the presence of your Lord. So being in the presence of your Lord becomes something that is heavy for you and you want to move away from it. You want to run away from it. This is what Satan wants. Satan wants to put you in despair. Despair is one of the most powerful weapons of Satan. Second aspect. Budur ki manalar kalpten çıktıkları vakit suretlerden çıplak olarak hayale girerler. Oradan suretleri giyerler. Hayal ise her vakit bir sebep tahtında bir nevi suretleri nesceder. Ehemmiyet verdiği şeyin suretlerini yol üstünde bırakır. Hangi mana geçse ya ona giydirir, ya takar, ya bulaştırır, ya perde eder. Eğer manalar münezzeh ve temiz iseler, suretler mülevves ve rezil ise giymek yoktur fakat temas vardır. Vesveseli adam teması telebbüsle iltibas eder, eyvah der, kalbim ne kadar bozulmuş, bu sefillik, bu hisseti nefs beni matrud eder. Şeytan onun şu damarından çok istifade eder. It is this that, so the second aspect is this that. When meanings leave the heart, 
The meanings come to the heart first, but they don't stay there. They leave the heart. They travel. Um, they travel through the rest of our existence. When they leave the heart, they enter imagination naked, without imagery. So naked meaning, pure meaning that comes to the heart, does not have form, does not have image, does not have uh, words associated with it. It is something that we can feel but cannot articulate because articulation requires words. Articulation require, requires images and sounds, things that we can sense and process, right? The meaning that's in the heart is it, it, it comes to the heart naked. And one would have to, um, to engage those meanings at that level, one would have to become so subtle to the extent of uh, entering into the life of the heart. And ordinary person, certainly not me, we cannot do it. We cannot do it. We, we, we uh, don't have that subtlety. So for us to engage with meanings, we need uh, images, words, the, the mediation of imagination and intellect. So the second aspect is this, that when meanings leave the heart, they enter imagination naked without imagery. And there, they clothe in images. They put on images. As for imagination, so, and it is the nature of imagination, this is what it means, as for imagination, it's the nature of imagination that it always weaves some types of imagery under the influence of this or that cause. That's how it functions. It, it functions with images. Imagination functions with images or forms. It, it, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a visual image. It may also be a, um, metaphorically using, sound image. It may be the image of a smell, right, form. It always weaves some types of imagery under the influence of this or that cause. It cannot not do this. That, that's, that, that's how the imagination functions. Then it leaves on the way the images of things to which it gives importance. So it always weaves images and as we travel it leaves on the way some images here and there. Some of these images may be pure and beautiful, some of them may be ugly and corrupted, polluted. Whatever meaning passes through it, whatever meaning passes through imagination, it either clothes it, puts something on it, attaches to it, right, those uh, images that it left on the way, right, whatever meaning passes through it, the imagination either clothes that meaning in that image that it left somewhere, or attaches that meaning, that image to it, or taints it, or veils it with that image. Sometimes the image may be veiling the meaning. If the meanings are pure and clean, yet the images are polluted and despicable. So you have a pure and clean meaning that comes to your heart. You are thinking about no, not the, you have this meaning that is associated with, with the love of the Prophet but that meaning has to pass through imagination and as it passes through imagination you have imagery that's associated with the um, with, with the 
body the physical aspects of being human and the prophet sallallahu wasallam was human and now you start to associate with the, the prophet sallallahu wasallam with those aspects of humanity right the, not you but the imagination does this right say it it uh it you know it puts the image of a person who is eating with appetite on the Prophet Now the meaning is your love of the Prophet But the imagery that was somehow left on the way and the, where the meaning is passing through, right, uh, is about a human being eating with appetite. Now the meaning that is associated with the love of the Prophet is also associated with this image that is uh, the image of a man who is eating with appetite whatever meaning passes through it it either clothes it attaches to it taints it or veils it if the meanings are pure and clean this is important yet the images are polluted and despicable then there is contact but no clothing so there's contact but no clothing i.e the meaning passes through it and it touches those images but it does not put them on they don't stay with it it's like teflon right <laughs> it's the non-stick pan you put the oil and egg and cook it and it doesn't stick to it if it were uh you know some other material let's say a scratched uh, stainless steel pan then it would stick there but it's teflon so meaning is like teflon it passes through in between these polluted imagery uh, it touches them, but it does not. It is not clothed in them. It does not put them on. It does not take it. Take them with it. The person with obsessive thoughts confuses contact with clothing. So remember again, if you know the quiddity of obsessive thoughts, they go away. If you don't understand their reality, if you don't understand their quiddity, if you don't understand what they are, then you falter and fall into uh, traps. The person with obsessive thoughts confuses contact with clothing and says, Woe to me! How corrupted has my heart become? This loneliness and vileness of the lower soul will make me make me expelled. Expelled from expelled from presence, from God's presence. So now that he is he thinks that he's going to be expelled, he doesn't want to be there any longer because he, he thinks that he doesn't deserve to be there his high opinion of his lord his sense of sanctity turns against him and he wants to run away he wants to flee satan takes advantage of this vein this um this uh, characteristic that this person has a lot this is one of the again one of the powerful powerful weapons of satan so what is the solution? Şu yaranın merhemi şudur. Dinle ey biçare. Nasıl ki senin namazın edebi nezihanesinin vesilesi, senin namazının edebi nezihanesinin vesilesi olan zahiri taharete, batının batınındaki necaset ona tesir etmez ve bozmaz. Öyle de maani-i mukaddesenin sureti mülevveseye mücavereti zarar ve zarar etmez. Mesela, Sen ayat-ı ilahiyeyi tefekkür ediyorsun. 
birden bir maraz ya bir iştiha ya bevl gibi bir emri müheyyic şiddetle senin hissine dokunuyor. Elbette senin hayalin devai illet ve kazai hacetin levazımatını görecek, bakacak, onlara münasip süfli suretleri nesçedecek ve gelen manalar ortalarından geçecekler. Geçeceklere ne beis vardır, ne televüs var, ne zarar var, ne hatar var. Yalnız hatar ise hasrı nazardır, zannı zarardır. <coughs> the salve for this wound is this. Listen, O oh, the helpless one. In the way that the filth in your abdomen does not affect and ruin the external purity that is the means for the pure etiquette of prayer. So, um, unfortunately, in order to understand the matter, we have to, you know, think about or talk about this now. In the way that the filth in your abdomen, and we are all filled with filth, right? Even people like, like we, we think of people like, this is a really clean person. He takes a shower every day and takes wudu, you know, five times a day, uh, so on and so forth. But even that person has filth in their abdomen. In the way that the filth in your abdomen does not affect and ruin the external purity that is the means for the pure etiquette of your prayer or pure etiquette of um, prayer, right? Prayer requires purity. And this is uh, two types of purity. One is purity from physical filth, right? Purity from najasa. And how do we accomplish that? We, we accomplish that by literally cleaning ourselves washing ourselves and the second is ritual purity how do we accomplish it we accomplish it by taking uh, wudu ablution or ghusl <clears throat> so when we try to purify our body the physical uh, cleaning we don't worry about what is inside the body we only worry about what's outside the body because what's inside the body does not affect the purity of prayer. Now that's out of God's mercy for us because there is no uh, logical, rational uh, requirement about what constitutes purity and what does not. For instance, dust does not cause impurity, right? But... Um, alcohol having alcohol on the body at the time of prayer right that causes impurity or you know a bodily secretion some of the bodily secretions they cause impurity why god said so that's from sharia and god did not require us to clean the interior of our body and which would probably be impossible but he could demand it, he could require it. There's nothing that holds God from doing so, right? He is all powerful and he's, he has you know, unlimited evolution. He could have required that. He did not. And he ruled that the uh, filth, impurity in the inside the body does not affect the purity that is required by the etiquette of prayer. Likewise, even though, you know, the, the filth inside the body is maybe, you know, one inch away from the 
the, the exterior of the skin. In some legal schools, in some madhahib, blood is filthy. Blood is impure, right? Blood is flowing under the skin, right? Blood is so close to the exterior of the body, but it does not cause impurity. Likewise, the proximity of sacred meanings to polluted images does not cause harm. So the proximity of sacred meanings to polluted images. Remember we said meanings come to the heart first. As they come out of the heart, they stop uh, or go through imagination. And imagination cannot not put images on things. And there isn't very strict control on the types of images that it puts on things either. It just keeps weaving these images and receiving them and recording them. And you don't really know through what kinds of images that meaning is going to go through as it goes through. Now, of course, if you subject yourself to, to all sorts of despicable and polluted images, your imagination will be excessively filled uh, with that and you will be accountable for filling your imagination excessively with that kind of filth. But that's a different question. A beautiful meaning may come to the heart. A beautiful meaning that is not associated with any of that filth. But that too has to go through the realm of meanings or the uh, the the, <coughs> the, the uh, space. I'm using in a metaphorical sense, right? If you if you if you think of the body as uh, or our existence as a palace, right? The palace has a door and a hallway. The imagination is the hallway. The meaning has to go through the hallway, and th and then it's going to perhaps enter the reception hall, recep reception room. But it has to go through the hallway. So as it goes through, it passes by these images that might be filthy and or clean. Ustad Nursi says, in the way that the filth in your abdomen does not affect and ruin the external purity that is the means for the pure etiquette of prayer, likewise, the proximity of sacred meanings to polluted images does not cause harm. For example, say you are contemplating divine signs. You're out there by the ocean, you are thinking about God's tremendousness and His mercy for the uh, fish and other creatures in the water, how he is the, the provider providing their provisions, how he is so beautiful, he is the beautiful, uh, you know, as, as indicated by the beauty of the scenery before you, maybe the sun is setting and so on and so forth. As you are thinking about all these signs, divine signs, and you are, you know, reciting Quran and the Quran is um, taking your intellect and mind to uh, to or associating enabling you associate what you are seeing in the scenery with God and so you're in this state of beautiful contemplation which is a form of worship say you are contemplating divine signs suddenly a rousing sensation such as an illness you, know, you feel maybe like stomach ache or nausea an appetite you want to eat something or the need to pass water and we are all human this is normal right something like this triggers your senses of course your imagination will see whatever is required to remedy the affliction or answer the need 
you you feel hungry your imagination will start thinking about or Im imagining visualizing right a a sandwich this is the imagination's job this is um, the imagination's nature function it's almost automatic right the preparation that we um, have in advance by filling that imagination with pure clean things or filter things again is a different question <clears throat> if we feed our imagination filth it uh, weaves what it weaves with filth if we feed our imagination pure imagery it weaves whatever it uh, weaves with pure image pure it weaves uh, pure things right but even uh, even after that there are these aspects of human existence that do not uh, that, that, that do not go well with those lofty meanings you know passing water we are all human we all have to do this and we all have imagery in our imagination associated with it as we are contemplating that beautiful perfect majestic sight and perhaps reciting verses in our mind from our memory and so on and so forth this sensation may come and trigger the imagination and imagination cannot not think of whatever that sensation requires it should imagine that so that you can go ahead and uh, act accordingly if you got hungry and you never had this notion of <clears throat> the imagery of food you would not be able to feed yourself you would not be able to recognize food right this is necessary but while it is necessary it may sound problematic because you know your imagination will see whatever is required to remedy the affliction or answer the need it will look and weave the lovely images that suit them now the lovely image and the lofty thought contemplation came in proximity and the meanings that come will pass between them between those images lovely images there is no trouble nor pollution nor harm nor danger or exposure to harm for what passes through so whatever is passing through in between those images there is no trouble in this there is no pollution there is no harm no danger for it the only danger is maybe there is a danger but what is it the only danger is in paying attention and presuming harm because when you pay attention when you give importance when you presume the existence of harm then that starts to affect the heart because the heart falls into despair and despair is what satan wants you to do right satan wants you to to be in a state of despair satan wants you to be in a state of panic an alarm satan wants you to lose control satan wants you to flee right satan wants you to lose your uh lose the the restrictions that your intellect puts on your actions behaviors and therefore <clears throat> we want to prepare our intellect in advance we want to teach our intellect the quiddity the reality of 
these obsessive thoughts so that so that when they come we know what they are we know how to handle them which is basically not handling them right if there is a filthy object on the ground you're passing by you're walking in the beautiful uh in a, in a beautiful garden and there's a rock there and, and a bird has pooped on it on the rock if you don't go down and take the rock in your hand it's not going to come on your hand you just pass by and move on that's how these um, images and these meanings that pass through the hallway of imagination are associated they pass by they may even touch because they're teflon they don't take it or rather because the meanings are not physical right in physical things contact causes contamination but in non-physical things contact does not cause contamination telebus that is clothing in it attaching to it uh assuming it bearing it you know being wrapped in it so on and so forth but however we we uh conceptualize this notion that is a problem that causes pollution and corruption but just contact no it doesn't cause corruption um light does not become contaminated by passing through the holes of a dirty outfit imagine a you know woven outfit with large holes and imagine it's dirty imagine that you are looking through one of those holes to something an image the image that you are looking which is basically light the light that passes through that hole does not become contaminated it doesn't it, it doesn't contaminate your eye it doesn't pollute your eye it doesn't cause uh, you know it doesn't bring microbes into your eyes so this is how the meaning and image relate to one another and we need to understand this and know this so that when it happens and it will happen we are human when it happens we know how to handle it we know what to do with it or about it and what to do with it or about it is to know that it does not contaminate and therefore not pay attention to it and therefore not uh, presume harm so that there is no harm inshallah okay inshallah we will end here and read the uh, three other aspects or maybe two of them depending on how it goes in the following episodes inshallah subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahum an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al fatiha